All right. Good morning, everybody. Cultivate Church, how are we feeling this morning? Good. Oh, y'all have had coffee. You've been rested, man. It is great to get to hang out. Uh, with you guys. Also want to walk, welcome all of you watching with us live online right now. Well, listen, you made it. 2023, you made it. it it's you here. We're at, at the end of it, which is amazing. You survived Christmas, which was a week ago. And I know that can be like a, a very hectic time. It can be stressful, like, you know, New Year's or Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. You're bouncing around to like 30 different houses, trying to meet with everybody, trying to visit with everyone to get presents and food and cookies and just all of the stuff. But man, you survived that week and maybe the week between Christmas and New Year's this week, you've just been like, please just get me to the end of it. Please just let me try and survive. But nonetheless, you're here and you made it. And listen, Christmas, it just comes and goes so quickly. It's like we prepare for it and then bam, it's just gone. And here we are moving on to the next thing. And the reality is that 2023, I feel like, has kind of done that as well. I guess that saying that the older you get, the quicker time goes by. I'm 40 years old now. I guess I'm kind of experiencing that now because it feels like we just did this like a month ago where we were turning the page over to 2023. But here we are moving on to 2024. And my hope is that you've really had time to kind of reflect back a little bit. I think it's good for us to reflect back on the year previous and kind of some of the things we've done, some of the things we've experienced, you know, some of the relationships that were made and just really the growth that we have had. Um, And hopefully we've had time to reflect back on that, but it probably also brought up some opportunities like, man, I wish I would have done that a little differently. And maybe just opportunities to be able to improve going into 2024. Because here's the reality. A lot of us kind of turn that page and we think brand new year, new year, new me. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And then like three weeks into it, we're done. We're toast. We say, I'll just try again next year. I mean, do we have any resolution people in here at all? We make resolutions. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. And if you're like me, when I did make New Year's resolutions, usually they were the exact same resolutions every single year because they just weren't accomplished. I was one of those who quit after the first few weeks because, man, it just got a little too difficult. And studies have been done that 51% of all people now make New Year's resolutions. So about half the population decides, hey, this is going to be my year. New year, new me. I'm going to do it this year. Here's my goals. Here's what I'm going to accomplish. It's going to be great. But only 9% actually fulfill their New Year's resolutions and see it through to the end. I think a lot of us have probably fallen into that category at some time. Or another. And the crazy thing is, as the polls have been done and the studies have been done, it's really the same resolutions every single year. It doesn't change. Just 2024 looks very similar to 2023. The top resolutions, I want to lose weight. This is my year. I'm losing 35 pounds. Listen, I'm going to have abs. I'm going to be absolutely shredded when it's all said and done. That's the number one New Year's resolution. Number two is to save more money. Number three is to be healthier. Number four is to exercise. Number five is to just be happy. And as you look and the years pass, it's the same New Year's resolutions every single year. I know a lot of us, there's just something about turning the page, man. It just feels good. It's like this is going to be the step. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the time. And we fully believe, and we've said it before, that absolutely, 2024, it can absolutely be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. Because those two things go hand in hand. 2024 can be a year like you could have never imagined if it is your greatest year spiritually. 
but we have to take those little steps because we have these ideas like, yeah, at the end of the year, I'm losing 40 pounds. I'm going to be shredded. I'm going to have you know, 10,000 extra dollars in the bank. It's going to be this. We set these huge goals, and then we realize in a couple weeks it got difficult, and then we just decided to quit, and we go back to the way we used to do things and what was once comfortable, and we just don't make it. How about just tomorrow instead of saying, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, man, I'm just going to go for a 10-minute walk. And just a small little step can make all the difference in the world. In fact, Strava, which is an app and it's a program that tracks workouts and activity, they have done studies and they have shown that the second Friday of every year is the day where most people quit their New Year's resolutions. In fact, they've coined that day Quitter's Day. It's probably true. Two weeks in, man, things got tough. Things didn't go my way. So I just quit. But I firmly believe 2024 can be the greatest year you've ever experienced, but it's your greatest year spiritually. We firmly believe that. And that's why we've titled this message today, One Life to Live. Because we have one shot at this. We only get one life to live. So what are we doing with it? Because the verse we've really revolved this whole message around today comes out of Matthew chapter 24. And it says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all of these things, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. It's talking about Jesus coming back. Man, when you see the signs, when you see the things that are happening, man, you know it is almost go time. He is ready to come back. So let me ask you this today. This is one of those messages that may stretch us a little bit. It may not make us always feel warm and fuzzy, but man, I truly believe it's a step that we can take to have the greatest year we've ever experienced. What are you doing with your life? How are we living our day-to-day? Are we truly living out the purpose that God has planted in our life? Or are we living for the things of today? Are we just living for that next relationship, that next drink, that next thing, that next event, that next vacation? Are we truly living a life on purpose? Because James tells us, he says that, hey, our life here is like a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Poof. Before we know it, it's gone. And there's more on the line than the stuff of the here and now. Eternity is on the line And man, the signs are all around us. So how are we going to live this life? Today, I believe we have three things that can really help us take that step to have the greatest year spiritually we've ever had, which will in turn, I promise you, it will make it the greatest year you've ever experienced. So let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to us this morning before we dive in. God, we love you. And we're just so thankful for these moments. We're thankful to be in your presence together. And God, I just pray that we're all open. God, I pray, you know, specifically, we're just asking you to come in. We're just asking you to speak to us today. God, what can we do to have our greatest year spiritually? What can we do for you? What can we do for the kingdom of God and begin that today? And God, I just pray our hearts are open, that our our minds are open just to receive what it is that you want to tell us. So we walk out of this place better than we walked in, ready to tackle this next year for you. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So number one, the first way we do this is we have to live a life of urgency. 
We have to have this sense of urgency in what we're doing. And I'm not talking about being anxious all the time and like walking on eggshells and kind of turning our head and just kind of looking and seeing everything that's going wrong because there's two different things. Anxiousness, listen, it causes unease and it causes us to be uncomfortable. And man, we're just not sure. We're, we're just uneasy about everything. But having a sense of urgency realizes, hey, there's something on the line. There's something out there. And I have to take swift action, but I do it in a very earnest way. Make very smart decisions. I'm going to filter everything through this to make these decisions. But look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. We'll see why this is so important. This is Jesus. He says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. What Jesus is talking about here is like, hey, I'm coming back. I did my thing. Left you for a while, but I'm coming back, and it's going to happen. But nobody knows when that's going to be. Nobody knows. Jesus himself doesn't even know. And listen, i got to believe, Jesus is just kind of hanging out, watching all of us, watching the world today, and he's like, hey, Father, bus is gassed up. Like, today's the day, right? Like, have you seen these people? Have you seen what they're doing? Like, today has to be the day, right? truth is we don't know when that's going to happen could be anytime could be before we leave this building today we don't know could be later this afternoon could be tomorrow could be next week I know a lot of you are just hoping for next week you want to watch the Bama game tomorrow I get it could be a thousand years from now we have no idea so we need to live with a sense of urgency because we don't know when it's going to happen Now, listen, I usually walk around with a pretty big sense of urgency. It kind of drives my wife crazy sometimes because I walk fast wherever we're going. And she's like, what's what's the deal? I'm like, I just have a sense of urgency. Like, I know we need to get somewhere, so we're going to get it. And my daughter, Elkie, has kind of inherited that same thing for me. And we uh, surprised our children. We spent Christmas in California visiting our family out there. And their big Christmas gift was, hey, we're going to go to Disneyland. Huge surprise. They've never been. It was awesome. Well, in Disneyland, any Encanto fans in here whatsoever? Encanto, anybody? You know, Bruno? Come on. We love that movie in our house. And Elkie loves that movie. Well, Mirabelle is at Disneyland. And Elkie wanted to meet Mirabelle. And let me tell you, Disneyland characters, they like hang out with you. They talk to you for about five minutes. It's a really, really cool experience. And she knew that. And she knew where Mirabelle was. So we're getting off of a ride. She knew what time Mirabelle was going to be out there. We're a little bit past that time of the start time. So we're like, hey, we're going to go meet Mirabelle. Elkie's so excited to do it. So we start to walk. And Elkie speeds up just a little bit because she knows, like, hey, I got to get there. I got to meet Mirabelle. So we speed up a little bit with her. She goes a little bit faster. Monica's like, hey, y'all just catch up. You know where we're going. I'm going to make sure Elkie gets there okay. Before we know it, Elkie's little legs are going 100 miles an hour. She's flying. Monica begins to speed walk trying to catch up to her. Before I know it, Monica is in an all-out sprint trying to follow Elkie to where Mirabelle is. She busts through this family with a stroller. She jumps over a bush to catch up. She looks like Jackie Joyner Kersey running through Disneyland just trying to catch up to our daughter. And we finally did. And Elkie got to meet Mirabelle and have an experience. And it was amazing and it was great and it was wonderful. But what I do know is if Elkie did not walk and have this sense of urgency to go do this thing she so desperately wanted to do, we wouldn't have made it. So when it comes to our life, our spiritual life, our life on purpose, are we living that with a sense of urgency? To where we know 
we're going to make it. So what do we do? How do we do that? If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6, it's not in your notes, but it'll be on the screens. It says this. It says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if the prophet will come from one activity or another or maybe even both. And what he's telling us here is, hey, listen, we can't just like say a prayer and say yes to Jesus and just do this one thing and then kick back into our, our recliner, do what we've always done and just think, man, I'm good. Because we don't know if planting this one seed is going to be where the prophet comes from. So we need to do that, but we also need to do these other things. We need to live out this plan that God has called for our lives. That's what we need to do. That we don't always know the outcome from everything, every single experience we have. We need to be faithful and diligent in the instructions that God has given us. To be urgent in everything that we do. And listen, when we look back at this past year, man, it's been a great year. For Cultivate Church, it's been an unbelievable year. And I think we've done a really good job of being faithful and diligent to what God has entrusted us with. Listen, some of the things that have happened this year is incredible. In 2023 alone, we have seen 255 people say yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church. That's something to celebrate. That's 255 people who were not going to heaven who are now because of what was happening here at Cultivate Church. We've seen 62 people this year follow through and go in public in their faith with baptism. That too is incredible. So far in the lifetime of Cultivate Church, we have seen 1,828 people say yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church. It's made a difference in Shelby County. Eternity has been sealed for people. It's incredible. It's worth the, the, the signs of expression and joy that we see in that. It's worth it all. We've given $163,512.67 away this year as a church. Why? So we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. So we can meet the needs of people out there with outreach, with helping to plant churches, whatever it may be. We've seen in our Sunday experiences, which are so incredible, 257 first-time guests. That's people walking in here for the first time thinking, I don't know what these weirdos may be up to. And they're marking down, hey, I'm first time. I'm here. I'm, that's amazing. 257 people have done that this year. It's unbelievable what God has done. We've helped plant 47 churches across the world through Cultivate Church. Started a jail ministry at the Shelby County Jail. The people who our community, who our culture, say are too messed up and unlovable. They don't deserve a second chance. God called us to speak to those people. Listen, if they are made in the image of God and if they are good enough for God, they are good enough for us. So we will be the ones who will go to the jails to speak to people because they deserve it as well. Those are the amazing things that have happened at Cultivate Church this year. Man, they are worth the celebration. They're worth to smile about. They're worth to talk about. But y'all, it's not enough. Take a look around. We got empty seats all over the place. You go to any church right now in Shelby County, you go to any church building right now across the world, there are empty seats all over the place. It's an empty seat right here. That represents someone who doesn't know Jesus. That may represent your spouse. That could be your child. It could be your family member. 
your coworker, your best friend. That empty chair represents hurt and pain and fear, unforgiveness, hopelessness. It's right there. We have to have a life of urgency because until all the seats are filled, it's not good enough. There are more people who don't know Jesus, who are spending eternity apart from Jesus. Church, we have to do more. We have to be urgent because we don't know when he's going to come back. So what are we doing? So what are we doing both inside the church and outside the church? Because so many of you played such a huge part in the 255 salvations we've seen this year. And it's incredible. But for 2024, what steps are we going to take? Y'all, what are we going to do? Are we going to maybe just kind of been on the outside looking in? Maybe we'll take that step towards actually serving on a team and, and, and serving other people. Maybe we're going to take ownership of something and, and lead a team inside of the church. But, man, what are we doing outside of the church, too? Is this a place where we just walk in an hour a week and we check that box and say, hey, I'm, I'm good to go? Or is this something we're going to do every single day where we don't have the church version of ourselves and the work version and the ballpark and the football and the shopping and the this, where we just have one version of ourselves and it's authentically living for Jesus so other people can see it? Listen, you may say, well, the numbers, you know, the numbers, you're so focused on the numbers. Ah, I'm very focused on the numbers. Because every number has a name, every name is someone that we know. Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And listen, if it matters to God, it should matter to us too. We have to have a life of urgency so those people who are far from God can too experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. It's up to us. Your story should be shared. There's opportunities, there's people in our lives that we know to be able to share that story with them. Why? So they too can know Jesus. That's what living a life of urgency looks like. Second thing we have to do, we have to have a life of tenacity. That can't stop, won't stop attitude. Well, we are not going to quit. We are not going to give up. No matter how difficult it may look, we're not going to stop. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, 37 through 40. He says, when the son of man returns, it'll be just like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people, they were enjoying banquets parties, weddings, right up until the time where Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and it swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Just picture that for a second. It's going to be like going to work Monday morning. It's going to be like going to the store and getting groceries. It's going to be weddings. We'll be sitting in the recliner. We'll be watching football. We'll be doing the things that we always do. And then he's here. He's here. You know, we'll have the people that we sit with at work, and then all of a sudden, some of them are gone, and some are left. That's the way it will be when Jesus comes back. Listen, there are two groups here. There were people who were with Noah. Not really. It was just Noah. Noah was the guy. Everyone was doing their thing. Everyone was living their life. Everyone was conforming to the world, saying, hey, we're going to kind of live in this world of sin. They were hearing things like, well, you know, it's really not that bad. I mean, just, just, be not, just let them live their truth. It's not going to hurt you at all. 
We need to be more inclusive of, of, of what's going on over here. It's, it's okay. And before they knew it, that's the life that everyone was living. They were just okay with it. And you have Noah, who's building this giant boat in his backyard. You know Noah was the local crazy guy. Noah, what in the world are you doing over there? I'm building a boat. Well, why, why would you build a boat? Well, listen, God said he is going to flood this earth and wipe everything from it. So I've got to build a boat to be able to keep humanity alive. Have you, what? Noah was crazy. The crazy guy. If I told every one of you, hey, God came to me and listen, he said he's doing it again. I'm building a boat in my backyard because he's going to flood the earth and wipe everything. Y'all would say powers is crazy. We're never going back to that church. Can you believe what that moron said? That's what we would think. Jesus is going to come and be a sacrifice and die for our sins and ascend to heaven. And one day he's going to come back for all of his people. That's too is crazy. But it's going to happen. Noah was crazy until it happened. Listen, that was the plan that, that God had. And listen, his plan is, is better than ours. Any Marvel fans in here, Avengers movies, people out whatsoever, we love those movies. They're fantastic. And in Infinity War, you have Doctor Strange and you have Iron Man and they're fighting the evil Thanos and they're trying to win this war where Thanos is going to wipe half the population off of every single planet, all the galaxies. It's incredible. Don't watch football. Watch those instead. They're better. But listen... Dr. Strange is there, and he's going through every single scenario, and he says, we win one out of 14 million times. Then in Endgame, the very next one, I'm sorry for spoilers, the movie's been out for a while, that's on you. But listen, <laughs> on Endgame, they're there, and Dr. Strange and Iron Man, they, they get back together, and they're having this huge war, and Iron Man says, one out of 14 million, tell me this is it. And Dr. Strange says this, he says, if I tell you what happens, it won't happen. Listen, we would love to know the plans that God has for our life. But if he tells you what happened, it won't happen. Because here's what we do. We say, God, this is incredible. I, I can't believe you're going to do this. Oh, I'm so excited. This is amazing. But, hey, I, I'm kind of looking at everything. I think that's going to happen in June of 2024. I don't like that very much. God, I, I think I'm, I'm just, I'm not quite ready for that. Can we, I'm just going to take that one off the list. I'll still go, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that part. And hey, that thing that's going to happen in 2026, I never expected that. So God, we're not going to do that either. And before we know it, we've completely deviated from the plan God has set in our lives because we thought we know better. Because the world told us to go this way. It's going to be easier. Well, everyone's doing this. We have to be tenacious if we're going to go the way in which God has asked us to go. Where culture stands today, we can look around, it's not pretty. It's just not. In fact, today the church is in the biggest decline ever. Ever. Church is in the biggest decline ever. Where now, to be considered a regular church goer, you only need to show up once out of every six weeks. And you're considered regular church member. You got your faith in order. Great job. You're awesome. Eight and a half times a year. That's it. To be a regular church member. Now, now we have now have more people who don't go to church than who do go to church. Even if it's only eight and a half times a year. Still more who don't go. Listen, the church is like the immune system for culture. Where all the evil... 
and all the bad, we're able to filter it through truth. We're able to protect each other. We're able to protect the world through the truth of God's word. And as it's been deemed bigoted and bad and hateful, and we're trying to remove Jesus and remove church from everything we do, we're removing the immune system from culture. Just like HIV or AIDS, it doesn't necessarily kill the person, but it infects and it destroys the immune system. So anything, any virus, any infection that can come into the human body can now kill it because there's no more defense system. And if we remove the church, we can now allow anything into our culture, into our lives, and we have no immune system to be able to stand up against the evil of the world. And that's how we kill culture. More people now identify as nuns, and I'm not talking about the Catholic Church nuns, but nun, N-O-N-E-S, than anything else, more than Christian or anything else. Nuns are people who say, I affiliate with no religion whatsoever. I don't see a need for religion. I don't see a need for Christianity. It doesn't make sense to me. There's too many unanswered questions. I don't understand it. There's too many hypocrites. There's too much evil and bad in the world. I don't need it. More people identify as that than anything else, and we see it. Our gender, our sexuality is attacked everywhere we look. We have huge groups of the population who believe killing innocent babies is okay. We're just separating and segregated unbelievable amounts. Because culture's told us, hey, let's go this way. This, this is the way everyone's going. This is the way the world is going. Don't you want to get along? You don't want to be left behind, do you? We need to go this way. But when we think back to Exodus, whenever Moses was leaving the, leading the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, it says in Exodus 13, it says when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the road, through the Philistine country. Though it was shorter, even though that road was easier, had all the restaurants, more scenic, but God did not lead them through that road. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and re- return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. God led. goes on to say that God led them by a pillar of clouds to be able to travel during the day and a pillar of fire so they can have a light to be able to see at night. Even though it wasn't the easy way, it wasn't the shortest way, it would have got them quicker. God said, I know the best way to go. It may seem daunting and seem impossible, but believe me, I have light for you and I will lead you through to the other side, even though it seems like you won't be able to make it. Jesus also says, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk through darkness. It's light. That's how we live a life of tenacity. We say, I know everyone else is going this way and everyone wants me to go this way, but man, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, because you are the light of the world and you will not let me down. That's how we live a life of tenacity. We must be tenacious because there are people going through things that we know nothing about. There are marriages crumbling before our eyes. There are addictions who just they cannot be overcome. There are people so desperately seeking forgiveness that we'll never find it. Because they're going to go that path. There are people who have lost hope and they're just lost. And they don't know what to do. And it's up to you and me. It's up to us to be urgent, to be tenacious. And then number three, we have to live a life of dependency. We must be dependent on God. Because he knows better. He knows better than we do. 
Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44, it says this. It says, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. Yep. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. It's the reason Kevin was able to guard the house and keep Marvin Harry out and home alone. He knew that they were coming. That's why everything was set up perfectly, because he was prepared. We too must be prepared. We must be dependent on God, because the signs will be all around us. And we live an urgent life for him. It changes everything. Listen, the Bible app had an article that came out a couple weeks ago, the most searched term in 2023 on the Bible app of all the words possible was hope. It's hope. People are searching for something. And man, we are trying to fill that void in our lives with anything we can get our hands on. They're searching from hope. And Jesus is the hope of the world. The most highlighted and researched scripture from the Bible app in 2023 was Isaiah 41.10, which says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Church, if we open up our eyes and we look around, man, people are hurting. People are lost. Man, people need Jesus. And it's up to us to make sure that they can experience and know who he is. So, 2024, it's right around the corner. We take that step tomorrow. What are we going to do? What are our commitments going to be? A couple things that I think can lead us to have the greatest life spiritually. Let's get in God's word every single day. Daily. Daily. And look, look, this is a big book. I get it. It's like, man, every single day. Have you read Leviticus? I don't think I can do that. Every single day. Listen, as a church this year, if you go on the website or cultivatechurch.tv or the Cultivate Church app, right there on the front page, we are doing the one-year Bible together, where you can just click on that link and you can sign up and you too can do the one-year Bible with other people in the church. Because I know this can be intimidating. This will be my eighth year doing it this coming up year. And trust me, I didn't just start eight years ago. I mean, there are times where I'm like a weekend, I'm like, this is awful. I can't make it through this. This is hard. That happened several times. I'm sure for many of you, that's happened as well. But man, there's something about doing it together. Man, we can lock arms. We can do this together as a church. Can you imagine what this community might look like if we all together say, yeah, this is going to be our greatest year spiritually. We're going to lock arms. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to grow in our faith together. Imagine how God can use us for his kingdom if we do that. Listen, I would encourage you, go to the website. Go to the app, sign up. Let's read this thing together. 15 minutes a day, you'll have the entire Bible read. Just getting in his word every single day. Listen, if you miss a day, that's okay. Let's Don't miss two. Miss one, it's, it happens. Just don't miss two. And let's do this together. 21 days of prayer and fasting will start next Sunday on the 7th, right there on the website where the Bible app is that we're all going to do together. Also is a guide for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Listen, if you've never done that before, it's incredible. It's the greatest way to start off the year. And listen, it's not like, not fasting in which we're not going to eat food for 21 days. Look at me. I won't survive for 21 days with no food. 
But man, what it is is saying, hey, I've got these things in my life that take up hours of, time, of my time and a lot of my day. Maybe, just maybe for three weeks, it's only three weeks, I can take some of that out of my life and let me read the word of God instead. Let me pray instead. Let me just get a little bit closer to him. Let me try it for three weeks and let's see what happens. And the goal is not to be able to do that for three weeks and post on social media about it. But the goal is to be able to develop habits that are going to carry us throughout this year and the years to come. It's an amazing thing that, again, we get to do that together. Be in prayer with God every single day and not treating him as a spiritual Santa Claus, but instead develop that relationship. Talk to him like your friend. Man, when you're mad at him, let him know about it. Have that open conversation with him about it. Be obedient to what he calls us to do. Whether that's baptism, stewardship, serving, where there's just a plan or a step to take in his life. Man, be obedient to what he says. Because here's what I know for sure. For this to be the greatest year spiritually, if we do this, these things, you and I can have a conversation. We can have coffee together December 31st of 2024 going into the next year. And you're going to tell me, wow, this was the unbelievable. I can't believe what God did in my life. I've experienced it. There's so many other people here who have experienced it. Well, when we go all in for him, everything changes. Because we really are dependent on him. We can't do this on our own. We can't. We weren't meant to. Listen, we need Jesus. We just do. We need Jesus. We need a Savior who came and sacrificed himself for us. And he's coming back. We need a Savior who conquered death, hell, sin, darkness, and the grave for us. Now, unless you too can conquer death, Hell, sin, darkness, and the grave too. You're all good if you can do that. But if not, we need a Savior and we need Jesus. And it's simply just taking all of the stuff. It's taking the the car and the house and the experience and the friends and the vacation and the money and even our children that we've built up these idols and placed at the center of our life. It's taking it and moving it to the side and putting Jesus right at the center of our lives. And that will flow out to everything else I promise. And we'll quickly be able to realize that, hey, my life and my value is not based on my performance. It's not about the things I do. It's not the things I've accomplished. It's not all the things that I've done. It is simply because of Jesus. And that's it. That's it. And we'll be able to experience this just this explosion and this this never-ending waterfall of unconditional love, like something we could never imagine. And it comes from Jesus. Not because of what you've done, it's because you are you and he loves you. Just let Jesus love you. It will change everything. This will be the greatest experience and year of your life that you could ever imagine. And you will look back to this moment and to that day when you say yes to Jesus and you give your life to him, you will look back to that and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I was missing before. Because we have to be dependent on him. Listen, I want to pray for you. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, our worship team's going to come back. And If you're new here, nothing funny's going to happen. No one's coming to get you or anything like that. This is that personal moment with God. This is that moment to say, hey, I, I, I need you. Hey, I don't have everything together. I need you. This is maybe that moment for some of you to take that step of faith that we've been so timid to take and say, you know what, I, I'm going all in for Jesus. 
because what I've done for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years just hasn't been it. So I'm going to try something new. Promise, give it one year and watch what he does. And if that's you, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to take that step. Maybe you need to say, I'm, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm giving my life. I'm giving my heart to you. Simply just believing in who he is. It would just start with a prayer. You just simply say, God, I need you. God, I need you today. I'm asking for forgiveness for all of my sins. That today I know that you sent Jesus as a sacrifice for me. And today I'm recognizing him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to make Jesus number one in my life. And God, for all of us, I pray today we'll, we'll mark a day where we see the need for you even more. God, I pray for the opportunity. God, that the, the empty seats that are around us, the empty seats that are in the churches all across the world today, God, I pray that we will be a part of filling that. God, I'm just praying for an opportunity. That God, to bring those people in our lives who are far from you, who don't let know you, God, let us be a part of that. God, we're just praying for an opportunity to speak to people, to have a conversation. God, I'm just praying for an opportunity for all of us to be able to share our story with that one person so we can make heaven a bigger place. And we'll do it all in your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, church, can we honor him together this morning? Come on.